Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of the Dental Assistant Nation podcast powered by Ignite DA. My name is Kevin Henry. I am the co-founder of Ignite DA. And as always, so thankful you're taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to this podcast where we try to bring you the great minds of the dental industry, the thought leaders, yay, verily, those key opinion leaders that are out there. And that includes our dear friend, Tom Viola. Tom, how are you, buddy? Good. Kevin, how are you doing, my friend? All, all is well, I hope. All is well here, and I hope it is with you, too. Uh, you know, always enjoy having you on because I know you've really got your finger on the pulse of what's going on out there. And, you know, before we came on, you were telling me a little bit about a, a study that you found regarding cannabis. And uh, let's dive into that today. What do you say? Absolutely. It seems like I'm always talking about cannabis, right? No matter where I go, it's like the it's big time. It is. It's hot. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of people say to me, well, I've listened to your lecture and you know, you, you really do portray it very objectively. You're not really pro, you're not really con, you're sort of down the middle. But every so often, I find myself saying a little more negative than positive about cannabis, only because it seems like the majority of the information I get is, did you know cannabis can cause this? Yeah. So when I get a, a an article or something like this that crosses my uh, email that actually points out something positive about cannabis, I'm all over it. Because again, I want to be as fair as, as possible. So Absolutely. this study comes out of the, well, it's really, it's based on data from the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey, the NHANES for nerds like me who like to uh, look at this kind of data when we got nothing else to do. You know, let's, let's take a look at uh, what the current research is based on a very large number of people. So this was recently published in a, a journal called Cannabis and cannabinoid research. And here's the punchline, ready? It says that women who used marijuana or cannabis at least mm -hmm. four times in the previous month, now this is what the study would define as a heavy user, were okay. less likely, less likely to have type two diabetes than women who were either light users of cannabis or non-users. That was amazing to me. That is amazing. You know, and, and I love these studies that come out because people go, oh, well, it says now I can drink wine or I can drink coffee and it's OK. And I'm sure people are going to point to this one as far as their cannabis use goes and, you know, and says, hey, maybe I need to ramp it up a little bit. Well, unfortunately, my friend, for people like you and me, though, men did not do well. It was only women who benefited from the use of cannabis, not men. How do you like that? Uh. You know, I, I guess it's our lot in life, man. I tell you, it just is. But <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious, you know, and obviously I know you don't know everything behind the study, but I'm curious, why does more make it better than less in a study like this? I'm, I'm really fascinated by that. Well, that's what the study tried to find out. You know, again, this was a large study, a nationally representative. So it really covered a lot of people throughout the country. And it said, okay, what were the overall findings? The overall findings said that cannabis use and diabetes, that link between them is inconsistent, that gender differences do matter. And it's consistent actually with animal studies, male and female animals, and, and even some other clinical studies that were, were, didn't set out to prove that women benefit more than men, but that was the actual outcome. But like it's, every other it's study. It's fascinating. Yeah, it is. And, and yeah. like every other study, though, that's, of course, you know what I'm going to say next. 
everyone in these studies says the same thing. More research needs to be done, you know? For sure. <laughs> so they said gender differences really need to be confirmed. And, and we strongly recommend that uh, they wanted more biological, more biochemical studies to be conducted to really understand the mechanism. You know, I, I live in Colorado. Uh, you know, it, it's a state that has become well known with the cannabis industry, but I think more and more of the country is becoming cannabis friendly, shall we say, or it doesn't have the stigma attached to it. And, and I'm really curious what you're hearing from dental practices out there about how they discuss cannabis use with their patients. Is that still a hard conversation for some dental practices to have? It is, especially when you consider, you know, how many people actually use cannabis. You actually have to consider that if, you, if you're not talking about cannabis, why aren't you? Uh, so, for example, this study rounded up about 15,000 participants. That's a pretty sizable number, okay? But to, to give some background on this, 87,000 people died of diabetes mellitus in 2019. So the point is, you know, if we have an opportunity to make a difference, if we have an opportunity to, to draw some comparisons or make some connections amongst our, our patients and the use of cannabis versus their risk of uh, diseases like diabetes, why not? We should be talking about it because, again, as I like to say to all dental professionals that I work with, you save people from themselves. Love our patients, but sometimes they don't make the best choices uh, when it comes to their health. And, and this is an opportunity for us to, as we're taking the medical history anyway, to ask about the use of cannabis and then ask about other medical conditions. And if we see that there's a correlation between you know, cannabis use and diabetes uh, in, in the literature, then for a man or a male, I'd be interested in wondering, you know, if their cannabis use contributed to their type 2 diabetes. And then for women, I'd be curious to see if it really held up, if women who had uh, heavy cannabis use were not likely to have uh, diabetes type 2 or didn't show any risk factors for it. You know, and, and I'm curious because you and I have talked on previous podcasts about cannabis and the impact it has on oral health and why dental professionals need to know about cannabis when their patients come in. So I, I, I know there's a lot of give and take whenever it comes to talking about cannabis. Obviously, there could be some benefits, but dental professionals need to know about how it can impact the oral health as well and be ready to talk about that. I'm glad you brought that up, Kevin, because this, this is an issue that I think every dental professional needs to be aware of. The dental assistant from the hygienist right to the, the dentist, and that is, as it turns out, cannabis lately has been used to manage menopausal symptoms. One in four women have said they've tried cannabis to manage their postmenopausal symptoms, things like insomnia, mood changes, that sort of thing, hot flashes. And so it works, right? And so, okay, you can say, well, wait a minute, it's a woman, she's using cannabis. That's great because this study sort of proves that, well, her risk of diabetes type two would be reduced. But as you said, there are other parts of mar marijuana or cannabis to be aware of. One of them is xerostomia, mm -hmm. and the other is the craving for cariogenic foods and, and drinks, and also the, the immunosuppression. And so you've got on the one hand the positive, but on the other hand, you've got the negative, which is a woman who's postmenopausal is more at risk for periodontal disease, and that's exacerbated, or that risk is exacerbated by the chance that they might have in. Uh, uh, xerostomia and, and other changes to their mouth from the use of cannabis. And, and I think it goes right back to how you started this whole podcast about the negative and the positive and trying to balance that. 
And I think that's what dental professionals have to do is don't come across as, you know, it, it's a bad thing if you do this, but no, with choices come consequences. And this could be good or bad consequences for that matter. Well, let's put it this way, Kevin. I think you and I have said this before. The use of cannabis is not going down. It's no. definitely increasing. And and if I'm a woman and I have postmenopausal symptoms, which are obviously very common amongst women who, who are of that age, and I don't have a really good way of managing them, you know, with the hormonal therapy or whatever, why not use cannabis, right? right? That's the allure of cannabis. It's, you know, I don't know if it's useful for treating the symptoms. Let's try it. And now, of course, we've got the negative to worry about as well, especially from the, the dental ramifications. You know, every time you and I get together and we talk about something like this, it, it always just impacts in my head how much that dental professionals have to really know every day and how they have to be on top of things every day. And why I think what you do and the how you you bring this information is so valuable to our industry. Thank you, buddy. I, I try to make sure that everyone knows everything they can about cannabis. And I'll, I'll leave you with this thought, too. You know, the CDC says that one in 10 people who try marijuana will get addicted and that it directly affects the brain, everything from memory and learning to attention and decision making. But the one thing I think all dental professionals need to know is that as time goes by, there's a greater and greater need for more and more THC, tetrahydrocannabinol, which is the hallucinogenic form of, of cannabis, or the part of cannabis that's hallucinogenic. Now, problem with that is, of course, when you get to higher and higher levels of THC, you also get things like psychoses and anxiety. So that can affect a patient's behavior in the dental chair. And sure. that's something that we may not be expecting, you know, in, in, let's say a woman or a man in their, in their you know, later 40s, early 50s, that sort of thing. You know, and, and I'm, I feel like we hammer this every time, but the health history is so important. And, and I go back to, you know, I just went in for uh, my my six month a couple of weeks ago and and I wasn't asked about, you know, it was one of those, has anything changed since the last time? But cannabis has never been brought up whenever I go into the practice, even in Colorado, where, you know, again, I know, I know the stigmas out there that, that we're all using it, but but it never is brought up anytime that I go in there. And I, I always, I kind of keep waiting for that every time I walk in. Well, that's the thing. And, and I, I wish I could make that message get out there to just everyone in this industry. You know, when you're taking a health history, it's very important to know your patient, know everything about them and convince them you're not the police. Right. So ask them everything and make sure you get positive or, or you know, affirmative or negative answers so that you've got every question answered, not only because you want to protect your patient, you want to protect yourself, but you want to do the right thing overall based on all the information you have in front of you. And if you don't have all the information, then you can't make those awesome clinical decisions you make every day. And I'm just going to say something very vanilla here, but you tell me if I'm wrong. I mean, should we be looking at cannabis as any other kind of medication whenever it comes to that health history without it being, you know, the, the preconceived notions we've had for so long about it? I think so. I think, you know, cannabis is starting in my mind to, to carve out its own realm uh, when it comes to uh, both impact on dentistry and impact on uh, systemic illness. And, you know, pharmacology follows those two streets very closely. Kevin is, you know, you know this very well. You know, the two streets are, you know, okay, I, I use this medication in dental practice. 
What effect is it going to have on the patient's systemic health? But the patient, at the same time, uses medications for the systemic disease. What impact does that have on, on oral health and, and dental treatment planning? Cannabis really crosses and, and hugs both streets because cannabis can be used as a drug, uh, and as a medication to treat certain symptoms of certain illnesses, but it can also be used recreationally. And so it can have an impact on dentistry as well. So really, if, if you're not thinking about cannabis as the, the great uniter here of the two different pathways, that if you're not looking at cannabis as potential benefit or risk when it comes to dental treatment, then it's, maybe it's time for us to start looking at it uh, because more people use cannabis than I think you and I or everybody else actually realize. Yeah. And, and again, nothing wrong with that at all. It's just part of our society and where we're going. And we as a dental industry, if we're truly going to be part of this medical equation, we've got to be prepared to ask those kind of questions. And, and Tom, like I said earlier, I'm so thankful that as dental pharmacology expert, you're out there learning a lot of this stuff so you can share it at meetings like Chicago, at meetings like Yankee, where we're going to run into each other and, and keep running into each other. But I know not everybody's lucky enough to hear you in person. So how can they find you online to learn a little bit more? Well, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to seeing everybody at Chicago Midwinter Meeting. I'll be there on Saturday all day. That ends up being my day, according to the people that uh, run Chicago Midwinter. Like, Viola, you're on Saturdays. That's it. Okay, well, I'm the Saturday guy. But uh, I'm also going to be at Hinman and a lot of other meetings this year, ADA, AGD. So at any time, if you want to reach out to me, if you're not going to be at those national meetings, and I realize you're busy and may not have a chance to, to leave your office and, and for days at a time, find me on my website. It's TomViola.com. Or find me on social media at uh, everywhere on social media at Pharmacology Declassified. Absolutely, looking forward to Chicago. Looking forward to Hinman. And I and I didn't know Saturday was Tom Viola Day in in the Windy City. I mean, uh, I'll have to wear there's something a, special, you know. I mean, hey, no, there's a lot of hot air. That's what I've heard. I wonder if that's where all the wind comes from. I'm just kidding. <laughs> there you go. Well, I'll expect the heat wave to come in on Saturday. I'm looking forward to that. So. Oh, Viola's talking. It's up to uh, seven. <laughs> <laughs> all right my friend well thank you as always for sharing your knowledge with our audience i really do appreciate it buddy same here kevin and thank you for everything you do for dental assistance and all dental professionals nationwide my friend and internationally you uh, you do great things i hope everybody realizes it well it's my honor and i'm so thankful to have this uh, podcast for dental assistance you know dental assistant nation we love bringing you information from thought leaders like tom viola people who are out there that are at all these meetings, that are reading all the research, that are doing everything that they can to help keep you informed, keep you safe, keep your patients safe, and keep your business thriving. So if you like what you heard, hey, we would love that five-star review from you. Uh, make sure you're telling your friends about us, subscribe to us, all that good stuff. But until the next time, it's Kevin Henry, co-founder of Ignite DA, signing off for this episode of the Dental Assistant Nation podcast. And as always, together, we rise.